Welcome to the Azure Podcast, a weekly podcast to keep you up to date on what's new on our cloud platform, Microsoft Azure. Your hosts, Cynthia Crane, Evan Basilic, Suji DeMello, Kendall Roden, Kel Teeter, and Russell Young discuss a different service or solution on each show with subject matter experts to explain how to get started, how different services work, and how to make decisions in tricky scenarios. You can find out more about our podcast at azpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Um, Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Azure Podcast. Um, Today is August 18th, and uh, this is episode number 435. And we'll be talking about um, HPC on Azure, which is High Performance Computing on Azure, with our special guests, um, Bill Paxson and Rob Fuchik. Um, I'm joined by my, you know, couple of my usual, um, uh, I guess, I want to say compadres, but like, the, what's, I, that's not negative enough in this context. Um, you know, but Kale and Sajid are here uh, with me. Uh, and so uh, let's go ahead and just get right into the news. Kale, looks like you put a couple of things out here. Yeah, I got two here today. Uh, the first one is uh, about Azure Data Explorer. We've talked about it on the podcast a few times, but um, this one specifically is talking about, you know, the Custo engine um, that we have here, the third generation, um, and specifically talking about some of the uh, GIGOM. I don't know how you pronounce that exactly, but basically some of the results for this report that was kind of generated to show the kind of the performance, relative performance of like Azure Data Explorer uh, with, you know, I think it's like one gig, a terabyte, and 100 terabytes of data, um, and basically kind of compare and contrast that to other platforms uh, that are similar in this space, such as Snowflake and, and things like that, the Google BigQuery. So it's a pretty cool uh, write-up, and there's a full report there on, you know, kind of the benefits of Azure Data Explorer in that context. Um, really interesting stuff for people who are playing in the, the big data space there. The second thing, second one I had is around the DevBox preview. Um, so this was just that sounds so cool, doesn't it? Yeah. So uh, for folks who don't know, the DevBox is is something new uh, that's been made public now, and you can get to it through the Azure portal. I think if you just search for DevBox, it'll come up there. There's also like I think an external website you can go to to get to it, but it'll basically um, provision you a DevBox and get the right size for it. You can obviously do things like custom images and things like that to get all the good tools on there that you want. But the idea is to like lower the friction for developers who are in the IDEs or using SDKs to basically get the right set of tools they need to develop faster. Um, it's all about the velocity there. Because this is running in Azure for compliance and security and things like that. So pretty cool stuff. That's yeah, and, then I, and then I was going to add in um, the for uh, AKS the container storage interface which is uh, you know csi um is allowing you to use azure blob storage as your persistent storage for aks but you're using the csi driver which is basically an interface so a standard mechanism for doing this um you know i i know a couple of customers that are using you know um third-party um storage appliances as basically their persistent storage for their aks clusters um, and they would really like to get away from that and get to blob storage because now they're just, you know, using that native um, uh, PaaS service at that point. They don't even need to worry about the infrastructure underneath it at all. Um, but now you can do it natively rather than having to write something custom or, or use, um, you know, a third party thing to, to make that happen. Um, so a nice advancement for, for AKS. 
Um, cool. Well, that looks like um, the news that we've got for this week. Uh, so I, a, um, I wanted to throw oh, in one sure, real quick. Uh, and sorry, I didn't add it in before to the OneNote. But this is one that uh, I, I particularly like, and it's about the new basic logs uh, preview that we have coming out for log capturing. So typically, when we call capture logs with Azure Monitor, they go into log analytics. There is, uh, you know, the ingestion costs can be pretty high. And yeah. often we have you know, debugging turned on on applications, and you can imagine the amount of volume of logs that go in there, and there's that high cost. And for the most part, those logs that you, those debug logs, you're not really looking at storing them long-term or doing some kind of analytics. You just want to look at them for debugging real quick, and you're probably not going to need them beyond a day or two. So there's a new plan uh, called the basic logs uh, plan now, and you could, uh, you could allocate like some of those uh, debugging logs kind of uh, traffic to to that and it, the ingestion costs are much lower uh, for those logs of course they don't have the full life cycle as the regular logs uh, you know uh, in terms of uh, being able to do all sorts of fancy queries and whatnot uh, but at least they're available over there so you can go in and just take a quick look at them uh, uh, if you have if you have some problems so I think that's something that's uh, much needed the basic logs feature and they're rolling out that preview to some of the regions right now so, so this basis, I, I want because I saw something about this, and, and this sort of speaks to one of the things I talk to customers about all the time. Because um, again, I live in the world of broken, so logs is a, a thing. Like nothing kills me more than, hey, we could troubleshoot this, but we don't have the logs, right? We have to wait for it the next time. So, so this is what sort of conceptually something that you could say, hey, a forty-eight day rolling. You know, I reduce my cost. It's basically eight days. Eight oh, I'm sorry, days not, not forty-eight. Yeah, eight days. Yeah. But it's like eight. a a rolling window, and I just. If I'm willing yeah. to say I don't have it in, you know, two weeks, three weeks down the road, I'm I'm able to really reduce my cost. Yes, exactly. Nice. Yeah, that's convenient. That's good. I, I will I will go on the record saying that I and, and again I'm not saying that cost doesn't matter. So no, you know, don't don't blame us in the in the comments on this show. But like I, I very rarely have any had anybody that's come back and said, Man, I'm I'm really happy that I was able to debug that that outage real fast, but man, I'm unhappy about what it cost me to have the log when I needed it, right? It, it's, you know, it, 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 so it, philosophically, I always land on the side of having more rather than less, but absolutely acknowledge there's a cost with everything for sure. Yeah. And and there's a downside to it as well. As I said, you know, not all kind of fancy query, KQL queries are supported mm-hmm. with it. And yeah. uh, you cannot create any alerts of that, of these logs. So this is primarily, you're just there for, you know, doing some quick troubleshooting or debugging. Okay, okay. Nice. Cool. Okay. Awesome. Well, let, um, with that, let's um, get over to our, our topic of the day. Um, you know, Bill, Rob, can you guys introduce yourselves and, and tell us what you do for Microsoft? Sorry, you want to go first, Bill? <clears throat> sure. Thanks, guys. Um, I'm Bill Paxson. I've, I've been here at Microsoft uh, for uh, coming up on 10 years, uh, and uh, I've, I've worked as a support engineer in Azure uh, in the IaaS support space, uh, then as a technical advisor, and then a few years ago, I had the opportunity to help build a new support team here at Microsoft, uh, specializing in supporting high-performance computing and a couple of other uh, low-volume but uh, but high-consumption uh, workloads. And so um, now, since uh, since March of 2020, I've been managing this uh, this new support team, uh, and it's been a real privilege. Rob, cool. <clears throat> so. I'm Rob Futrick. I am the product manager uh, lead for Azure's HPC and AI software and services team. Uh, Monday was actually my five-year anniversary, August 15th. Um, 
And I came to Microsoft through an acquisition, actually. So uh, five years ago, they acquired our company, uh, Cycle Computing, uh, which is where one of the products that we manage comes from, Azure Cycle Cloud. Um, and I was at uh, Cycle for 12 years. Um, so in some ways, it's my five-year anniversary, but it's really also my 17th uh, anniversary. Um, and we've been doing, you know, we started off doing uh, on-prem HPC uh, because in 2005, you know, there wasn't cloud, uh, but we rapidly pivoted over there. Um, and, uh, you know, our customer base kind of never went back. And so now we're here at Azure and, you know, kind of our overall mission uh, is to uh, provide all the software infrastructure that people need in order to run AI and HPC workloads. But really, it's to simplify the entire process uh, of running these kinds of workloads and, um, you know, enable our customers to do more. So so let, let's start out with, um, you know, you mentioned HPC and, and AI workloads. Let, let's just sort of back up just a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, when when you when we talk about I think everybody sort of has a, a working sense of what AI workloads are in this day and age. Um, HPC has been around for a long time, um, but it's probably worth defining. Like when, when you say an HPC workload, what are you talking about? Yeah. So Microsoft takes a pretty um, generous definition of HPC, um, <clears throat> which uh, isn't a problem. It's really. You know, if you talk to traditional people doing weather modeling and physics simulation, things like that, that, that you know, they kind of uh, uh, their workloads, um, you know, things have been running since the 60s. Um, they, I started doing CFD earlier. Oh, there you go. Blue yep. Dynamics early in yep. my engineering career. So, yeah. Um, and, and I'm uh, old. So basically, great. I'm old. So, <laughs> so yeah, these things have been around for a long time. It's it, it be, But more simply, it's just taking lots of computing resources, uh, whether it's memory, CPUs, GPUs, networking storage, you name it, and combining them together in order to solve kind of computationally intensive problems. Um, at Microsoft, that includes things like weather modeling and, and, and CFD and physics simulation and all that stuff. It also includes um, you know, risk modeling, uh, Monte Carlo simulation for banks and insurance companies and whatnot. It includes movie rendering. You know, anybody who really wants to run a very, very large, well, it doesn't have to be large. It can be small, but small to very large distributed system to, you know, run computations. That's kind of HPC at, at Azure. Um, and AI comes into that from the infrastructure level because, you know, at the, at the kinds of technologies that you're going to deploy in order to solve these problems, they look very similar. You know, distributed scale-out training is very similar in a lot of ways to a large distributed CFD workload. Um, and so uh, that's kind of what our team aims at. And so, yeah, we work with everybody from some of the biggest banks, insurance companies in the world to the biggest, you know, movie and special effects houses. But on the other side, it's the largest drug companies, energy companies, you know, uh, autonomous driving companies, you name it, and uh, and we work with them. So, so it sounds like really, if I if I hear you describe that range of things, um, it sounds like we're not really. I mean, I'm sure there's some enhancements through there, but we're not really so much worried about what's the workload you're doing inside, but we're about making sure that you don't have to worry so much about managing the virtual machines and the storage and the memory that's that's underneath, right? We're trying to take that complexity away from you. Um, sort of. So it's okay. a, it's a, it's um it's. I don't say it's tricky. It's more that there's a variety of use cases. So, okay. you know, one thing that kind of unites almost all HPC workloads and, and AI workloads at scale, especially, is they're optimized. And, they, you know, it's like these are F1 cars. You know, these are these are very tuned systems. And the reason is these workloads are usually extremely valuable. You know, a bank um, or an insurance company might have to do regulatory runs. If they don't generate certain calculations that they can report to the government on time and correctly, like that could be Yes. Significant penalties. So there's there's very, you know, uh, one of the companies we work with, the manufacturing company, they were able to cut their product design time in half um, by moving to cloud. And and, and and we can get into that later, too. And so there's the 
these R&D workloads and, and other kind of workloads are very, very valuable. And so these customers traditionally made a very large investment in these on-prem systems. It could be a couple hundred thousand dollars. It could be many, many millions of dollars. And so they wanted to get the most out of it. And so they were very, they're very tuned. And so when coming to cloud, a lot of times they have specific needs. You know, it's, it's you know, they, they have a list of technologies and they need all of them. You know, it's, this, is a, this is a complex system and they want to move to Azure. We've done a lot of work to support a broad variety of the technologies they already use so that they can kind of conceptually lift and shift what they do right into Azure. We're, you know, uh, we have this list of accomplishments on the hardware side uh, going back, you know, I think three or four years now that we at least keep track of. Um, and it's like we were the first in cloud to deploy, you know, a certain technology like the, the AMD Rome processors. We were the first ones to scale the 20,000 cores to 80,000 cores, you know, above uh, a couple of years ago, or actually I think it was last year, we had the number 10 computer in the top 500 list, which is a, a kind of a, you know, they measure supercomputers around the world. And, and um, you know, we were, we had a number 10 and then we had four more in the top 50. Um, and the thing was, is those weren't like special machines that we set up for that. We just provisioned a supercomputer inside of Azure and then ran the benchmarks and, and made the list. So we, we basically meet the technological bar for our customers to run those optimized workloads. And then on the software side, exactly what you said, we try to, simplify some of that uh, so that they can, you know, a lot of it's around simplifying Azure. It's really more like, mm -hmm. oh, you want to auto scale these environments up and down. That's obviously not a problem you have on-prem. You want to do, you know, and then to your point earlier about logging and monitoring and all stuff, doing that in a very large, you know, if you have 80,000 cores running and they're coming up and they're going down and whatnot, um, you know, that's a much more challenging logging problem. I mean, you guys get this, but but the analogy I always use is if, you know, if you want to go to the movies, or dinner with like two friends, like that's easy. You, you know, you yeah. kind of text each other or whatever, you, you know, WhatsApp or whatever, and you just go to movies. If you're doing like a birthday party for 10 or 20 people, like that starts getting like, there's some planning involved. Well, now you're doing a wedding. There's a hundred people, there's 200 people. Like Leave that's kind of how these systems work. Like when you <laughs> want to run a couple, yeah, that's not hard. But then when you want to go from say running at 2000 cores to running at 20,000 or 80,000 cores, like that's, that's a different level. And so that's the part where we try to provide uh, software infrastructure that goes along with this amazing hardware infrastructure that we provide that, uh, you know, that, that is really what kind of unlocks our customers. One thing, and maybe not to get too technical, but for these tightly coupled workloads, those are like weather modeling and others, it's actually the connection between the computers that's the gating factor on scale. And this is distributed training and, and all these kinds of problems. So when you want to run above a certain threshold, adding more memory, adding more processors will actually make you run slower because it's the connections between them that are, the, that are essentially the problem. And so Azure deploys InfiniBand networking. And so we're kind of unique in deploying what is, you know, a very common networking fabric at supercomputing centers and other research institutions. And that's what allows us to kind of break these scale records and, and, and really kind of play with the big boys or, or we are one of the big boys at this point. Um, and so that's, and that separates say like risk modeling from, uh, you know, uh, uh, fluid dynamics is that risk modeling is more about just give me the most infrastructure you can. Can you give me 300,000 cores? That's great. They're all independent. That analogy is like you're a professor grading term papers. And if you have nine teaching assistants, great. You divide it up into pile, you know, into one tenth each, it's 10 times faster, you know, et cetera. It's, it's really more just about getting me as much infrastructure as possible. But again, orchestrating at that scale is, is an entirely new kind of challenge. Yeah, Rob, and just to go along with what Evan said, so there's no service in Azure where you say, oh, just bring, we have the HPC service and just come bring your stuff here, right? It's a combination of like cross-cutting things like compute storage, networking, all kinds of pieces. I guess the question I have around that then is it seems complex, like how these seem very bespoke or something like that, where people have had something you said running for a long time. 
how do they approach that to like even figure out like all these enhancements that we have there? Like what's the gateway to get people to understand what our service platform is like for APC? Um, it's a bit of both. So yes, there is, there is, uh, you know, one of my dreams is to be able to, for some users to remove the need to concern themselves with those technical details to some extent. And, and that's like a future thing. Um, but at the moment, the best thing we can do, I think, and it sets us apart, is we have much more. Um, I'll be careful I say this because this will bill, not signing up bill for support. We support <laughs> a lot of the commercial and open source tools that our users already use. We don't literally support them. Like if you have a problem, like so there's a, a job schedule. It's exactly what it sounds like. You have a bunch of infrastructure. You give the scheduler, hey, do this thing 10,000 times. And it goes out and makes sure that those things happen. If a machine fails, if something, you know, whatever, it'll rerun it. It can apply policies. Simple thing. We have a native one in Azure called Azure Batch. It's one of the services that we run. Um, but there's a lot of open source and commercial ones that have been used for decades that, you know, people have spent, you know, all that time kind of customizing their workloads to use something like Slurm. It's an open source one. Uh, there's another one that's commercial called LSF, just as examples. There's others. And so, I'll, you know, in the past, a lot of times coming to cloud, it was essentially, oh, that's great that you use that, but you should switch to our cloud native thing. And that was essentially a deal breaker. Um, and so what we've done is we basically Azure enabled and integrated those technologies. And so now people say, oh, well, I want to run on this specific processor. I use this kind of storage. You know, you already have InfiniBand networking. And my software stack is Slurm on Ubuntu with, you know, blah, 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 you know, that kind of thing. And we say, that's perfect. You can, you can deploy that in 20 minutes. You know, come over and, and that's actually through a product called Azure Cycle Cloud, which is another product that we do. And that's actually the one that Bill's team does the yeoman's job supporting. Um, and uh, and the whole point there is that uh, we kind of meet our customers where they are so they can just kind of move into Azure. It may not be the best way to run in Azure, but it's definitely the easiest way because it's what they're already doing. And a lot of times we've had users where the end users, the actual scientists and quants and engineers, they, they don't even necessarily know they're running in Azure. The organization knows they're running in Azure and the administrators that support those users know they're running in Azure. But that's kind of the, the seamlessness of that transition is what helps. Um, and then, you know, at the high end, you know, the people who really push the, the, the kind of the open AIs and the, and the metas and, the, and the, the big energy companies and all that stuff, they're super experts. So for them, they don't, at least today, they don't really want to be taken away from the details. They know how to run and optimize and get the most out of these systems. And so for them, that kind of a like, let me just give you my stuff and kind of take care of it isn't, isn't as attractive as, you know, I hope to make it in the future. Um, but but for them, again, the, the fact that they can just take what they're already doing, what they trust, what they've built up and just use it. That's a, a you know, that's that's the that's the magic. You, you hit on something interesting there, Robin and, and Bill, I'm going to direct this to you because, you know, to, to Rob's point, and, and this is sort of the migration that Microsoft as a whole has been on over the last you know, 10, 12 years now, right? It used to be, if it's not Windows and SQL and .NET, like, you know, don't talk to me, right? Um, you know, these days we're, you know, we really want people to bring what they've got. Um, but that does raise some really interesting challenges around supporting them, um, you know, and, and we won't get into sort of the exact terms we use to define it, but there, there's a difference between, hey, we'll help you, we'll talk to you if you're running, you know, soft, you know, open source software blah in our cloud, versus, hey, you're running Ubuntu, which, man, Ubuntu, we've got internal experts. It's fully supported. How, how do you walk that line, Bill, as a, as a team? I mean, that's got to be really challenging. Yeah, thanks, Evan. I, I think, you know, we, you know, well, first, 
fortunately, I've, I've managed to hire a team of really brilliant uh, people, you know, that, that really come from. We'll send them uh, to this episode so you know yeah. they appreciate that you appreciate I them. I do appreciate them very much. Yeah. Uh, you know, they come from the, the HPC field. They come from academia. You know, they are themselves uh, seasoned experts. Right. And and, um, you know, I managed to uh, to hire people that I think are comfortable working in the, in the gray areas and, and leaning pretty hard on, on the experience that they already have. And then pairing that with just curiosity and and a drive to to help our customers succeed. And uh, that formula has been working really well for the last couple of years. And uh, you know, we we often find ourselves in these in these gray areas where customers are coming to us with uh, you know with a product that it's not a Microsoft product. Um, it's not even a third party product. It's open source, for example. And and you know. Technically, for open source, they should be going to the community, right, for mm-hmm. that kind of help. But, uh, you know, we really work hard to try and make sure that everyone succeeds. Um, you know, my engineers are always coming to me saying, you know, can we get more training on this scheduler or that scheduler? We want to know more. We're getting questions about this, right? So they're they're curious. They want to help. Um, and we've got, I think, one of the best relationships I've ever seen between a support team and, and the product group. Right. Uh, Rob has said many times that he sees our team as a direct extension of the product group and we feel that support. Right. So, you know, when we're challenged and we get to a point where maybe we're not able to solve a problem, we're able to bring that to Rob and the other people in the product group. And, and they work very closely with us. We have regular meetings with them multiple times a week, uh, you know, uh, different triage meetings and, uh, you know, planning meetings and, and so forth. And so, uh, you know, we're we're getting great support. We've got great people, and uh, yeah, we're comfortable working in the gray areas. You know, maybe more so than some of the other teams. And I, I think that's a good formula for success. Excellent. As a as a <clears throat> anecdote uh, to support Bill's point there, uh, I don't get to be as hands on as I used to be, uh, and so there are times where I will actually go to Bill's team and ask them questions. <laughs> <laughs> about about the products. I mean, because you know, it, it, nobody understands yeah. the products better than than the people who are hands on answering questions for others. Yeah, they're using it every day, right? At that yeah. point. Yeah. We also uh, touching on this. We also we take so there's two actually things that are really interesting about the way we we support our users. One is we aggressively want to make space for our partners in in a real way. And so there are companies out there that do commercial support for some open source tools. There are companies that, you know, we have commercial partners um, and, uh, and you know, basically, you know, IBM has some very popular products in certain industries around job scheduling. And so uh, we worked with them to kind of a, a kind of officially establish kind of integration between our stuff and theirs. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of our partners were scared with cloud native stuff. They feel like you're trying to replace me. And so with our platform, you know, yeah, we have native offerings. If it's a, if it's an infrastructure type thing, we're going to have a service because it, it just makes sense for what we do. But at the same point, we want to make space for our partners. And so when it comes to support, our model is, you know, we're going to help our users as best we can. But we we basically, you know, um, oh, that's a question about Slurm. By the way, have you met SkedMD, the company that does commercial support for Slurm? You know, we'd be happy to introduce you to them. And, you know, we have a very good relationship with our partners. They help us understand and they help us with integration. And then in return, you know, we make space for them and, and we try to help them you know, meet the users that actually you know, want to use their products. Um, and, but then and kind of tailing to that, the thing Bill has built that's impressive. And, and uh, I'll, I'll compliment you for this, Bill, so that you don't have to brag. Um, his team is a bit unique. Um, HPC and AI, you know, this is this is are you using GPUs, different VMs, storage, networking, you know, all that stuff, and then the software stack and everything. It used to be 
when you'd send in a support ticket, you know, you had to pick the technology that you wanted support from. Was it Linux VMs? Was it networking? Was it Azure NetApp files? Was it, you know, blob storage, whatever? It was very specific. Well, if you're running an optimized system that's using 20 or 30 different technologies, All those. Yeah. that puts the burden on the user to figure out what's going wrong. And that was obviously a very, or, or could be a very uh, frustrating experience. And so what Bill's team does is they are experts at the whole concept. And it's, it's a, it's a very broad amount of knowledge that they have to have, and they can help users figure out where the problems lie. And then if they need help from the Azure NetApp Files team or the HPC Cache team or Linux VM team, whatever, they can then work within kind of Microsoft to do that. And that has been, I think, a huge, uh, measurably huge improvement in customer satisfaction uh, and, and support team satisfaction as well and kind of across the board because you no longer had you know, a networking engineer who didn't even know what InfiniBand was because they're used to front-end networking um, getting these questions from users. And so Bill's built something very special and and it's a combination of the people he's attracted and the way he runs his team and 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 uh yeah it's awesome yeah and i have a question about uh, possibly both for rob and bill here uh, so uh you know when i am a software engineer and uh, back in the day when i did some hpc we used i think it was the message passing interface uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh pattern uh, which uh, requires all the nodes to rapidly communicate with each other. So, uh, question is, you know, do we kind of support that pattern specifically on HPC? Yep. Is there like uh, some sort of a special uh, tuning that we've done to kind of mm-hmm. uh, enable that? And then we for Bill also, you know, when you do get a support case that involves MP, MPI, uh, you know, how do you go about even tracking down where the problem is? Yes, we do. So uh, for just real quick on the technology side. So uh, the, among the VM families, you know, we have our general purpose SKUs, you know, D, E, F, et cetera. Uh, in HPC, our specialized or workload optimized, uh, whatever the current term is, um, the H series and the N series uh, are the two kind of HPC SKUs. The H series is CPU-based compute. N series is accelerators, typically GPUs, but could be other things. Um, and that includes accelerators across the range. So it could be for visualization, that could be for remote desktop, but it could also be for high-end CAD. It could be for, um, and, and kind of every other visualization need, it could also be for compute or for distributed training. Um, and so you have kind of all the different bases covered there. All the H and, well, almost all of the H and N series, all the N series for compute and distributed training and all the H series are connected by that InfiniBand networking. And then we uh, curate some HPC VM images that have the right drivers and everything else installed. And we support things like OpenMPitch and Intel MPI and all the different MPI libraries that people want to use to do that, that work. And yeah, and you don't have to run MPI over InfiniBand, but that's that's the performance thing we talked about earlier. So yeah, we, we try to simplify that part of the stack uh, for our users. And I'll leave it to Bill to talk about how he supports users that have questions about that. <laughs> Yeah, one question I had too, um, maybe this is for both of you. Um, you mentioned open source quite a bit here about how we work really good with open source software and accommodate it and things like that. I, I guess maybe could you give us a view into like what also like from the open source side? So for, for instance, if we have an open source package that we can then optimize for storage or networking or something like that, but it requires us to basically PR back to those things. I guess my question is like how much of that's going on as well? Are we contributing back to those open source projects um, in, in order to make them work well on Azure? Uh, or is it more like we're trying to change Azure to make them work with that? I'm sure it's a combination of both, but I just yeah. some insight there would be cool. It's a combination of both. Um, there's definitely contribution that goes back. Sometimes it's, it's not as simple as a PR, like an open source project, like uh, with, I'll use Slurm. Um, Slurm uh, is commercially developed by SCADMD. So it's an open source project. You can use it, et cetera. Um, 
but you know it's not they basically control the source code so you can submit pack you know uh, uh, pull requests and other changes back to them and they can incorporate them or not um with them and with other companies uh altair is another partner and like i said ibm it tends to be a little bit of more of a, of a relationship with the company that does the development so we we actually try to we're very careful to not push for things that are azure specific so we try to stick with things that hey this is really good for you and by the way, we'll then take advantage of it in Azure, that kind of a of, a, of, a, of an approach. When it comes to more open source applications, um, we've worked with a bunch of universities that, that tend to curate those to try and make them better or to at least submit changes back. It, again, it, sticks to, it usually sticks to being more cloud friendly. And we're just confident in our offerings to feel like, well, we'll get the most benefit out of that. Or it'll benefit our users and, and it benefits the community. So great. Um, I think we're looking to do more uh, as, as kind of our business grows, our team grows and whatnot. It, it it sounds a lot, you know. We we were talking about an AKS um, uh, CSI release for Blob. It, it sounds like the model that that y'all are using in this HPC world is very very similar to the AKS world, which AKS is not a Microsoft thing. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I, I actually said that wrong. Azure Kubernetes uh, service AKS is a a Microsoft thing, but Kubernetes itself mm -hmm. is not. Um, and it sounds like what you're describing with HPC, you know, on Azure and Cycle Cloud is about sort of making Azure you know, successful and making customers using Azure successful in those spaces, but you're still heavily involved. It sounds like with the community, you know, Bill's team is, is very fluent in, you know, open source, like, like we're working with the community and with that audience rather than, you know, harkening back some of our older days where, you know, we would have said, Nope, sorry, you don't want to talk.net where, you know, we're sort of not, not here for you, but it sounds like very, very much a partnership with that community across the board. Trying to, I mean, it's, it's, you know, uh, Yes, Not guess, always especially yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But <laughs> well, more just you know, there's only so many of us, and so yeah. it's it's our aspirations are to be more involved in the community, and we okay. definitely are in in a bunch of areas. But a lot of times, it's more um, ad hoc. You know, a customer comes to us with, and and we, by the way, we also work very closely with our technical field. So we have the HPC GBBs and and the, and the kind of HPC focused CSAs and others. So a lot of times, they're the ones also driving a bunch of that. And so you'll see the GBB community because they're working directly with the customers often. And so they'll work with us, but 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 give them a lot of credit on on some of the changes that they drive or that they publicize. But yeah, this it, is, it really this is, it is GBB that. is just for the audience. GBB is oh, our global black, black belts. This is our, um, our our cloud solution architects that are specialized in these areas, working with our customers directly. Sorry, Rob, go ahead. No, no, no. That's, I, I I forget to expand my acronym sometimes. Um, <laughs> but no, it's it's yes, we're trying to be involved in the communities and. Uh, you know, we, we tend to focus, you know, for obvious reasons, the ones that our customers bring to us, that our partners bring to us. Um, but yeah, the goal really is to help make this simpler. And so that, that applies kind of across the board. Awesome. Yeah, I know this is, this is great. Um, I mean, I think it, it really, you know, again, you guys may not necessarily be regular listeners, but our regular listeners will be, you know, will remember we were joking before the show at, you know, how many episodes we had and how long we've been doing this. This this whole world used to be called you know Windows Azure when it started. Now it's Microsoft Azure, and and you know it you know we went through the you know the little button you know I had I had back when I had an office in in a Microsoft building I had the little you know I love Linux or Microsoft loves Linux buttons that were floating around like th this evolution is true and you guys are absolutely on this evolution as well you know like you're part of that um, you know any sort of any last thoughts that you guys want to leave the audience with either you know Bill from a, you know, an experience and a support side or, or Rob from a, you know, a product perspective? I'm never short for words, so I'll give Bill a uh, shot first. Well, you know, I, I just say again, <laughs> you know, I, I, you know I've, I've heard that, um, you know, this is, this is pretty much a, a unique situation that we're in, right? Having a dedicated support team for high performance computing. I think it's a real 
uh, it's a real advantage that Microsoft offers to anybody who's looking to run HPC workloads in Azure. And so I, I think it's great for us to get that out there. Um, you know, my team is is global. I, I've got engineers in seven countries around the world right now. Uh, you know, and and so you know we're we're helping. I even have my newest engineers in Japan. You know, one of the mm-hmm. one of the big requests uh, from customers in Japan is is that we had local language support. And so you know, I'm thrilled to say that you know we finally met that. Even with this, a team that's as small as mine, mm-hmm. you know, we've got local language support. And, and uh, you know, we've got a lot of HPC users in Japan. So that's, you know, really very pleased that we're able to do that. So I think, you know, the uh, the strong relationship we've got with the product group, the great people I've got from the from the field and academia, their willingness to, um, you know, engage in, in multiple languages around the world. Uh, you know, just you know, really happy that we've got this team and, um, you know, the, and, and excited to see the growth that we're going through. Right. Uh, you know, Rob's got the numbers. But, uh, you know, the, the anticipated growth over the next few years is, is exciting. And so uh, really looking forward to seeing where we go with this. And, uh, yeah, it's been fun so far. Looking forward to seeing what comes next. Great. To be clear, that's, that's a continuation of what's been happening. It's not us hoping that it starts. <laughs> it's, it's been a wild ride. Uh-huh. Um, on the product side, we got a lot of great stuff coming. Um, we'll be talking about it more, I think, later this fall, uh, just because of, 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 you know, the way we talk about stuff publicly but uh, i will say that pay attention to space there's a lot of amazing things coming it's been you know it's one of those engineering projects where a lot of the work is under the hood and it doesn't seem like there's a lot going on but then all of a sudden the foundations are there and it starts kind of popping um and so we have you know we have three products today hbc pack which has been around since 2005 uh we have it was on uh, it was on prem originally wasn't it was and still is it still is yeah uh uh, so uh uh, hbc pack is just a scheduler it's it's old school it's windows focused Mm -hmm. but it it supports linux too to your point Mm -hmm. um it has a has a relatively small but dedicated user base um then we have azure batch it's a cloud native scheduler it runs batch workloads in in azure and then we have cycle cloud supports third party cycle cloud also supports hybrid if you want to run workloads on-prem and in azure PsychoCloud will absolutely support you in that. Um, and so those products form the basis of our, of our kind of our platform, but that whole platform is going through a major evolution. Uh, and so, yeah, we're really excited to talk about that uh, later this fall. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, but anybody who's interested in those details, I, I've done a bunch of talks on YouTube and they go into the, the specific products and the features and all that stuff. So if you're, if you want to kind of geek out on that stuff, it's, it's all available, but obviously uh I enjoy talking about this space. <laughs> we got so already. I've welcome. got two notes to myself. We'll, we'll 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 get these links from you, you know, for the audience. Um, and we I'm penciling in that we'll follow back up in the fall after you guys after y'all release some of this stuff, and we'll get you back. Um, awesome to yeah. to talk about it at that point as well. Um, so awesome. Okay, great. Thank you for listening to the show. If you have any thoughts, questions, or just want to connect, find us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Background music has been taken from ccmixer.org under the Creative Commons license. We hope you'll tune in again soon to keep learning with us.